Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Now, this morning, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. As we look at Romans, uh, this this passage today, we're, we're going to see basically that Romans is giving Paul is giving his salutation. Um, you know, uh, it's uh, he's just kind of introducing himself, but it's more than that. When we write a letter, uh, when we write a letter to someone, we have our form that we follow, we'll say, dear so-and-so, and then we'll have the body of the letter, and then at the end of it we'll say, yours truly, Jared File, or whatever our name is. But in their ancient world, they had a form that they did as well, except they would start with the person who was sending it, and then they would, um, they would follow that up with the person they were sending it to, and then they would write the body of the letter. Um, we have a lot more than just a couple of names here. Uh, in the ancient world, it was very uh, very sim- simplistic. Normally, whenever somebody would, um, would uh, uh, introduce a letter, it would basically just be um, Jared to Amanda, greetings. And they would start in. It was very simple then. Just like our letters are very simple. But here, uh, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, um, chose to give us a lot more information, some background information, so that um, we know who he is, why he's writing, and all of those things here within the greeting. So let's go ahead and read it, beginning in verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand, through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of the faith obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations, including you who are called to be to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Speak. O Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to obey. Give me strength and grace as I preach your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul. We know who Paul was. In the book of Acts, it records how Paul had been a persecutor of Christians. Paul had been a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was on his way to Damascus, and yet, while he was on his way to try to arrest Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem, 
The Lord Jesus Himself in person, in the flesh, met Paul. And Paul was miraculously saved. Paul had a change. He had been called Saul. Saul was his Hebrew name. And yet Jesus met him there on the road to Damascus and called him into the ministry for a purpose. He called him into the ministry to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. This was from the very beginning when he was saved. Jesus told him, you're going to be my messenger to the Gentiles. And so Saul adopts the name Paul, which is a more Greek name. Paul introduces himself first as a servant of Christ Jesus. His first introduction is not that he is an apostle trying to uh, claim his authority, but he uh, introduces himself as a servant, one who is one uh, who is a servant who is low. He is doing his job at the behest of his master, Jesus Christ. He is doing not his own commission, not his own um, uh, uh, agenda. He is a servant who is following the lead of Jesus, his master. And then, after introducing himself in this low position as a servant, he says, called to be an apostle. Called. He was called to be an apostle. He didn't choose this on his own. In fact, he would have liked to have done anything else. He wanted to persecute Christians before, but Jesus got a hold of Paul. He called him. And Paul believed. And his heart was changed. He was called to be an apostle. This persecutor of Christians became an apostle. We know the twelve apostles that Jesus had called to himself during his earthly ministry. Paul is placed alongside those, those twelve apostles. An apostle, of course, means one who is sent. Paul is called. Jesus himself called him on Jesus' own authority. He calls Paul to go and he's sent to go to the nations to tell them of Jesus. Then he says he is set apart for the gospel of God. Paul is no longer his own. Paul is no longer just any person. He is set apart. God has taken him from where he was and he's set him apart and he's chosen him. He has made him his vessel for God's mission. And this mission that God has set Paul apart for is for the gospel of God. The gospel of the gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. We saw in the Old Testament, in the prophets, especially towards the end of Isaiah, there is a mention of the gospel. The gospel, as it's mentioned in Isaiah, is a time when the Messiah comes and things begin to be set right again in the world. And when Paul mentions the gospel to Jews who have this messianic expectation, they know the Messiah has come. 
The one, the King of Kings, the Son of David has come. He's here. Things have changed. Good news is proclaimed. And it is the Gospel of God. The Gospel of God. This is a Gospel which God has accomplished. It was God's plan from the very beginning that He would send His Son to die in our place. It was God's plan. It was His initiative. We were sinners. We were rebels. We could do nothing to save ourselves. And God, from the very beginning, planned to send His Son. It was God's initiative to send His Son to die for us. And it is also... The gospel about God. God did it. It's about what He did. It's about His plan. He, he was the one who initiated it. He is the source of the gospel. And He is the one who is all about what God has done for us. Now, he introduces himself as a, as a servant of Jesus Christ, a call to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures. What is it that he promised beforehand? He promised the gospel. He promised the gospel. We see these words in the book of Isaiah where he promises a gospel that good news would be proclaimed, that the that the uh, sick would be healed, that the, that the lame would walk. All of those things that took place in the life of Jesus Christ. But also, when we think of the Gospel that was promised beforehand, we can go all the way back to the book of Genesis. The very third chapter, when the fall happens and we descend into sin and misery because of our first parent's sin in the garden. Adam and Eve partook of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They, their eyes were open. They knew they were naked and they were ashamed. Sin came into the world and through sin came death. And all of our misery. And yet, even at that very same chapter of Genesis, God promised that through the woman, a seed of the woman would come. A descendant of Eve would come who would crush Satan's skull. I can't keep everybody awake. <laughs> he would come and he would crush Satan's skull. This was a promise from the very beginning, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Not only did he promise at the very beginning, at the fall, whenever he spoke to the serpent and said, You're gonna, your days are numbered. But he also promised that whenever he came to Abraham, and he promised that he would give him land, seed, and blessing. He promised that, that in him all the families of the earth would be blessed. He promised that, he would, that kings would come from him. We just saw that last week as it was reiterated to Jacob. His descendants would be as many as the sands of the, sea, sands of the seashore and, and the stars of the sky. This promise that he made to Eve and Adam, this promise that he made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, this promise that he made 
to David that he would have a son who would sit on his throne forever. These promises that God had planned from the very beginning have now come true. This is good news. This is good news. The gospel which he promised beforehand through the prophets. The prophets, we think of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and all these prophets the, in the Scriptures. The Old Testament. One point we need to make here is that the Old Testament is part of Christian Scripture. There are those today who want to get rid of the Old Testament. We're a New Testament church, and all we need is the New Testament. No! Because the New Testament testifies about what the Old Testament said. The New Testament quotes the Old Testament so, so much. And here, the New Testament is the fulfillment of what was always prophesied in the Old Testament. It is an act of foolishness to try to separate ourselves from the Old Testament. She promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David. 2 Samuel chapter 7. You don't have to turn there. 2 Samuel chapter 7, God promises David. Tell the context. David wants to build a house for God. Wants to build a temple. And God says, you're not going to build a temple for me. I've dwelt in a tent all these years. I don't need you to build me a temple. Plus, he tells David, your house, you've had too much bloodshed in your kingdom. But he tells David, your son's going to build a house for me. And he also promises David that he would never lack a man on the throne. And he promises David that one day he would have a son who would sit on his throne, who would have a kingdom that would have no end. And we look at the life of David's sons, we can look at the book of Kings, and we could follow all those kings and he has a son who's followed by a son who's followed by a son. Now Israel in the north, they are disobedient. We have this separation. But in the south, in Judah, we have this line of kings that come down from David on and on and on down until 586 B.C. And it looks like there's an end to the line of David. It looks like. And yet Isaiah tells us the holy seed is in its stump. The tree looks like it's been cut down, but the holy seed is in its stump. There is still a descendant of David who is coming. The whole promise of the messianic hope in the prophets is because they know in spite of the fact they've been exiled, in spite of the fact that it looks like there's no king in Israel, there's one coming. And with Jesus... He's come. One of the other things that is said to David whenever he's given this promise, he says, I will be a father to him, and he will be my son. The son of David that is promised, it's even said in the Old Testament, is the son of God. 
concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus was the pre-existent son of God. There was never a time when he was not the son of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, we are told, in John 1.14. He is the pre-existent Son. He is equal with God. He is eternal with God. He has always existed. And yet the Word became flesh. He became a Son of David. And at the resurrection, He was declared to be the Son of God. It was a proof that he was who he said he was. When he raised from the dead, there was no longer any doubting it. He raised from the dead, defeated death, defeated sin, defeated every dark power, and he crushed Satan's stone. He was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of Holiness. Another way of saying the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies to us, as well as the Scripture, that Jesus is the Son of God by His resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. <coughs> Jesus, He is the Christ. Christ is the Old Testament term for Messiah. It's the Greek word for Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one who is expected through the Old Testament. And He is not only the Messiah, He is our Lord. If we have faith in Jesus, if we have trusted in Him, He is our Lord. Lord means He is... Where there is a sense of loyalty and submission to Him. It's not like we can just have an easy believism where we just say all the right things, pray a prayer, and then just go on living the way we always have. When Jesus becomes our Savior, He is our Lord. through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of the faith for the sake of His name. It's Jesus who this has happened through. Through whom? Through, through whom? It's through Jesus. Through Jesus whom we have received grace and apostleship. We have received grace Grace, a gift. We don't deserve it. Grace is when we get something we don't deserve. And we did not deserve forgiveness of sin. We did not deserve to be adopted into His family. We did not deserve any of that. It's totally grace. We didn't do anything to earn it. The gospel is the gospel of grace. It's through Jesus that we have received a gift Paul says, and apostleship. No, we are not apostles. 
The apostles, I believe, were something that was special for that time. Uh, uh, it, it is not an ongoing gift that, that, uh, or, or office that continues in the church today. Uh, the apostles spoke with the authority of Jesus, and they were the ones who wrote Scripture. We don't have people writing new books of the Bible today. The, the Bible, the canon of Scripture is closed. We don't need to look for new revelation. And yet, apostle also, it just means the one who is sent. You know what? Not only through grace, not only through Jesus did we receive grace, the forgiveness of our sins, washed, cleansed, and clean. Not only did we receive that, but we received the fact that we have been sent on a mission. We have been sent. What is our mission? To bring about the obedience of the faith for the sake of His name among all the nations. Paul, this is specific for Paul, Paul was sent to the Gentiles. His mission was to go to the Gentiles. Peter and the other apostles, they went to the Jews. But Paul had this unique mission of spreading the gospel among the Gentiles. And that's why he was so opposed so many times. He would go in and he would preach in the synagogues. And then, and then people would get offended because, uh, because he claimed that Jesus was the Christ. And so he would go to the Gentiles. And many of the Gentiles would believe. We don't realize how, how, how divided they were then. Jews wouldn't have anything to do with the Gentiles. And yet the gospel was now going to the Gentiles. That's us. The gospel is going to all nations. Just as Jesus gave in the Great Commission. Um, make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them whatsoever I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Not only did Paul go to the Gentiles, but we are called to go to all nations. When we give... We give to Lightning We give to the International Mission Board. We give to our cooperative program. And, and we do that in that way. And we pray. We've got Jackson Hall on the back wall here of our, our church building. Uh, he's a local guy. He's a young uh, college student who's going away to uh, Indonesia to go and share the gospel there for two years. We pray and we give. And some of us have been there. I've been on two trips, two, well, three different mission trips, one to, two to India and one to, to Macedonia. And I don't know if there's others who've been, but we can go. The last mission trip I went on to uh, Macedonia, we had one man on our trip who was 88 years old. Oh my gosh. And he came on the trip. We went to go paint uh, uh, a, a school building uh, so that the, 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 the missionary that was there could... Uh, uh, build closer relationships with the people there and there'd be an opening for the gospel. And he came along. His age didn't keep him away. Consider whether God may be sending you, regardless of age, to go to the nations. But not just 
don't just think of traveling someplace, but we've got the nations coming here. You know, uh, our world is changing. We have uh, people, that, I, I don't know, population numbers and immigration numbers and things like that, but we have, I'm sure, people here even in Bond County who were not born in this country. And even if we don't go to those who are uh, of different uh, national origins or things like that, our mission is to share the gospel of Jesus, the one who came to die for our sins with everyone, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of income, regardless of uh, uh, social status, any of those things. We share the gospel across all boundaries that we can think of. Why do we do this? Paul says, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. Obedience of faith, that's believing the gospel. The obedience of faith for the sake of His name. For the sake of His name. What is the priority here? Sharing the gospel so that people will be saved is good, and we should do it. You know what? Paul here is motivated by an even higher goal for the sake of his name and his glory. Why do we want to see people saved? Yes, to rescue them from hell. Yes, to rescue them and, and to help them have, have forgiveness of their sins. But you know what the greatest the, the greatest end for that is? It's the glory of God. God is glorified when people are saved. God is glorified when people come to know Jesus. We want to see God glorified right here. We want to share the gospel with our neighbors because we want to see God glorified. And you know what? Even if they don't believe, when we proclaim the gospel, even if it falls on deaf ears, if we're proclaiming the gospel, God is being glorified. We may feel like we're failing. But if we're proclaiming the gospel, He is glorified. That is the highest end to glorify Him. For the sake of His name, among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus. This mission that Paul had been given to proclaim the name of Jesus to all the nations has come down to you. To you. Amen? Amen. The gospel has come to us because of what Paul did. He preached the gospel to all nations. And now we have it. We have forgiveness of sins. We have been adopted into His family. Including you who are called to belong to Jesus. If you have trusted in Jesus, if you are believing in Him, Jesus has called you to Himself. He has taken initiative and invited you to Himself. Called. Called to what? To belong to Jesus. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. We belong to Jesus. We are not our own. We receive this as a gift of grace. We are forgiven. We are adopted. 
the choices we make about what we do, we need to remember. We are not our own. We want to live in such a way that honors our Savior, whose precious blood was shed for us. Two, all those in Rome, we don't live in Rome, but we have this letter to us, who are loved by God. Believers, that's you. You are loved by God. He loves you. From the beginning of creation, even before the fall, He knew you and He planned to save you from your sin. He loves you. Loved by God and called to be saints. And we think about what our lives maybe consists of in our sinfulness, in our flesh. We think uh, about, uh, about the things and the weaknesses we still have and we still struggle with. But you know what? Jesus has called us to be saints. Saints is the word for holy ones. And He's in the process of sanctifying us through our lives. We are sanctified day by day. He is changing us and making us more into the image of Christ. And one day, for all of us who trust in Jesus, He is going to present us before the Father, holy and blameless. We are called to be saints. And finally, this is to you. Grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you. He ends this salutation saying, Grace to you. We're getting what we don't deserve in a good way. Grace to you and peace. We are reconciled with the Father. We were once His enemies. We were once under His wrath. And, God, and Jesus has brought about peace. He has reconciled us so we are no longer His enemies, but we are His sons and daughters. We are forgiven. We are made free. Grace and peace. And this comes from God our Father. Our Father. It comes from God our Father. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we start out with our Father. Know what it is to be able to call God our Father. He is not just some distant being. He is not just some philosopher's explanation of the universe. He is our Father. Personal relationship. We relate to Him as a Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus did it all for us. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.